one of my favorite quotes from one of the design students was simply, you know, the amazing benefit of having content experts on the team, not as consultants to the team, but actually, you know, members of the team, because different questions would be asked that he probably would never have thought of asking, but were the first things they thought of asking. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Rosa DiDonato. And I'm Marian Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing, a Penn Nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm. Today on Amplify Nursing, we talk with Mike Avery, Neil Ray, and Jackie Taylor. Mike is a lecturer at the Stuart Weissman School of Design at the University of Pennsylvania and has worked extensively at the intersection of design, architecture, and healthcare. Neil is a physician and clinical assistant professor of emergency medicine at Penn Medicine with backgrounds in bioengineering, design thinking, and healthcare innovation. Jackie is an MSN prepared nurse working at the Penn Medicine Pavilion Emergency Department, as well as a current PhD student. The three of them recently worked together on an ED workflow improvement project at Penn Medicine's Pavilion, which was a joint collaboration between Penn Nursing, Penn School of Design, and Penn Medicine. Mike, Neil, and Jackie talk with us about how their interest in healthcare innovation led them to the Pavilion ED project, the benefits of co-creation between students from different backgrounds, and how design thinking and human-centered design can spark improvements in healthcare, and the challenges they faced as they attempted to integrate new processes in the emergency department. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for talking to me today. I'm really excited to learn more about your interest in the human-centered design and design thinking project that we worked on last semester. Mike, I'm going to start with you. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what interested you in working on this pen nursing, pen design, and pen ED pavilion project? Yes, thank you, Marion, and thank you for having uh, all of us today. Uh, my background is in design and healthcare, uh, architecture, and industrial design. I currently work uh, at the school of design in the Department of Architecture, as well as the Integrated Product Design Program. And I'm really always looking for an opportunity to partner across fields. And with my background, I always gravitate towards healthcare um, and healthcare practitioners. So this was an, a unique opportunity we all felt to work in the new pavilion, in the new ED, and really bring in students to help understand what the needs are in this new space, as well as what potential solutions could be in order to enhance the working environment for the practitioners, as well as the experience for those who are coming in to seek uh, assistance in medical care. So you mentioned this is of interest to you because of your background. What type of background is that? Uh, so I, I hold a degree in both uh, architecture as well as in occupational therapy. And for a few years was a per diem occupational therapist doing home care visits in West Philly. So for me, this is a personal interest because, you know, the people I would see often were recently discharged from the hospital and I, my task was to work with them in their homes to restore some, you know, functional level. So really understanding the entire spectrum of the medical 
field and the medical care that people receive and, and how we as practitioners, as well as we as patients can impact that, that's really how it all comes together, especially around this project. My understanding is that you were approached by Neil to consider this type of project. Neil, do you want to come on here and just introduce yourself and give us a little background of you know what was going on in the new ED pavilion that led you to want to reach out to Mike? Uh, yeah, I'm happy to I'm happy to be here, Marion. Thanks for having us. Um, my name is Neil Ray. I'm one of the clinical assistant professors of emergency medicine here at Penn. Um, you know, it's interesting. I um, my background is uh, in initially in bioengineering, and I had some time experience with design thinking and medical devices. And since then, I kind of transitioned into emergency medicine, but I'm always interested in healthcare innovation and human-centered um, uh, human centered design as well. I think um, it's kind of almost by chance that Mike and I really met. I was helping out with one of the design courses, like showcases, and then Mike reached out to me. He's like, hey, we should grab coffee sometime. And I was interested in learning more about kind of like the ecosystem at Penn and what opportunities there are. And then it... I don't know exactly what kind of tipped the conversation in that direction, but I told them that we had this new emergency department that was opening, but it wasn't quite designed with like healthcare providers kind of directly in mind. It was, we were kind of fitting a space that's already been uh, made for us essentially. And I thought it'd be a good opportunity to kind of see what opportunities might be there in the physical space as well. So it was great. It ended up honestly being a coffee chat at a coffee shop that kind of like spurred this whole decision. It was the beginning of all of this. Yeah, and it's great because from there, Mike reached out to me because we had been working together on various topics in the past as well. And it's really great opportunity to bring together Penn design students, Penn nursing students, and the ED clinicians to work on this real life design project and problem for the clinicians. So I want to bring Jackie in here. Jackie, can you also introduce yourself and just talk a little bit about the project from your point of view and where that started? So good morning. Um, my name is Jackie Taylor. I am a MSN prepared nurse and PhD student. I currently work in uh, Penn Medicine's uh, Hub ED Pavilion. And I've been there, you know, since we were in the old ED and transitioning into the new ED and kind of being on the front lines of identifying the, you know, various barriers and other things that are so positive and yet difficult to overcome when you're trying to deal with high patient acuity and volumes. So uh, Neil Ray and I, we always work really well together. And, you know, he kind of approached me and said, you know, I know you're interested in research. I have a pretty um, expansive research background. And, uh, you know, he said, hey, I'm going to be doing most likely this project. What do you think? And um, the idea of collaborating with, you know, multidisciplinary professors and finally bridging that gap between Penn Medicine and the University of Pennsylvania was really exciting for me. So, you know, I was immediately interested in the idea of working with students. I love working with students as well. And it was just a really great opportunity to do a research project that could directly benefit essentially everybody, especially patients. So that's where I kind of came in. Great. So, Mike, why don't you talk us through what the project looked like, the work that the students did, and how that all played out? Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Yeah, so as as um, Neil and Jackie mentioned, and yourself, we all came together and were formulating this idea. And it began with 
you know, Neil preparing a very thorough sort of briefing document to help all the students understand, because one of the best things for design students in particular, when they're working in a healthcare space, and one of the advantages of it is really the language learning that happens and understanding, you know, what is going on there and knowing enough when you hit the ground to have conversations and knowledgeable conversations with the clinical staff. So with that briefing document, they all had a really good start. And then from there, they completed many observations in-house in the emergency department, followed by working sessions with clinical staff, uh, hands-on working sessions, which I think really sort of from our experience really turned the tide on sort of the way they were viewed. They were no longer sort of outsiders imposing potential ideas, but really partners and creating ideas together. So I think that was, you know, if anyone's gonna take anything away from this conversation, having those co-creation sessions um, and even, even having them earlier, uh, I think is really a great way for sort of a student team to work in this setting. Following those, working sessions, they developed a series of ideas and then pitched them to the administrators of the emergency department, ran some trials to actually implement some of these ideas in a very sort of grassroots effort. And then thankfully have now handed them off to individuals working in the emergency department to actually implement some of these ideas. So um, really from the beginning to end, it was a collaborative work, not only between the four of us, but really with those students putting in a lot of the effort and energy to really make this what it is today. So, you know, one one thing I want to mention before we move on to someone else is just the the true benefit that it comes from having students from multiple professions working together. So having design students and nursing students, one of my favorite quotes from one of the design students was simply, you know, the amazing benefit of having content experts on the team, not as consultants to the team, but actually, you know, members of the team because different questions would be asked that he probably would never have thought of asking but were the first things they thought of asking. So really the it shortens timelines, it gets better outcomes, it makes sure everyone's on the same page. So again, the second thing, takeaway for me from this project is really the real benefit of having this interdisciplinary work, not only at the level of the four of us organizing it, but also throughout the entire team. I think it's it showed a lot of benefit for everyone involved. So yeah, and that's a great segue into my next question. Neil, you said you have a background in human-centered design and design thinking. What is it about these methodologies and processes that you think fit really nicely in healthcare in general, but then as the framework for the work the students were doing for this project? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's funny. I think medicine itself is a very traditional and in some ways kind of like a conservative field that's really hard to budge. And I think fundamentally human-centered design is this field that's trying to really just shake things up and think about things in a very novel way. So inherently those two disciplines don't really mesh well together. But I think that's how remarkable it is, is that you can actually take something that's very stoic and take a field that's very kind of like resistant to change and you implement some fresh ideas and fresh kind of like thoughts for people that are outside the healthcare system that can actually, you know, stir some conversations and make some changes. It's interesting because I feel like, especially in medicine too, it's like there's a lot of time being spent learning the language, which is what Mike was mentioning and trying to get into certain like mindsets. You get pigeonholed a little bit in terms of your perspective. And I think a lot of human-centered design is just taking a step back and seeing how things can work better from an outside perspective. And having the design students were really kind of crucial in that. Can you talk a little bit about the steps in the design thinking process and how that formed sort of the basis for the structure of this project for these students? Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, the design thinking process is, it's a very kind of extensive process, but it initially starts out with 
observation and trying to get a sense of what the unmet needs are. And that's um, important because sometimes like people that work in a certain environment, they might not know what their problems actually are. You know, some frustrations with either typing notes into the chart or like trying to find supplies, those might be things that we internalize and we've just taken for granted when there are actually opportunities for innovation and improvement in those kind of areas. So part of these observation and discovering what the actual problems are is shadowing and trying to figure out exactly what might be areas that we can kind of move the needle on. And oftentimes it, the projects can range from like something really big, like it can be something like trying to do a big structural change or rebranding, or it could be something small where you, know, you try to make your experience doing a certain task a little bit more efficient. After kind of going through the initial observation phase, you kind of figure out what's the one problem that you want to tackle and you creatively think about it. And um, what we did here, as Michael's mentioning, is with the co-design sessions, we kind of got our clinicians as well and tried to figure out what are some of the craziest ideas we can come up with and draw lessons from that. Like this is a crazy idea and it won't work because of X, or this is a great idea and it could potentially work because of Y. And as you take those you know, off the wall and more rational ideas, you can kind of distill it down to something that can actually work. And the last part of that is troubleshooting and prototyping. Like you test that idea and you tweak it and you test it again until you get to kind of like a final design that you can then try to implement. It's funny because I think medicine specifically is really interested these days in terms of data and results and kind of tangible differences. And human-centered design is much more of a creative and imaginative process. And so I think that intersection where both fields can talk is towards that end where it's like, by doing our intervention, you can save X amount of dollars or save like 20 minutes of time. Cause that's something that's a common ground between the two different specialties. But I think it's this process overall of becoming very broad and trying to find the problem, becoming very narrow to trying to find a solution and then kind of implementing it. Yeah, that's a, a great point, Neil. And I think it speaks to the conflict sometimes between, like you said, human-centered design and healthcare, a very research-focused discipline. Hi, we hope you're enjoying this episode. And we'll be back with more in a few minutes after this quick break. Hashtag Us, Unique and Shared Experiences is a twice-monthly podcast from First Person Arts. It features curated stories from 20 years of archival materials and new storytellers in order to create each show around one theme. The First Person Arts podcast seeks to entertain listeners with wild adventures, hilarious wit, and stories that transform the lives of the tellers, and maybe even the listener. Join hashtag us and listen wherever you get your podcasts. So Neil, can you talk a little bit about what the students found during their interviews and observations and what solution they came up with? Yeah, so they, um, you know, as you know, they spent um, like several hours kind of shadowing us and trying to see what our, you know, our unmet needs and kind of our challenges were. They actually came across something very subtle, which was improving some of our closet spaces. So right now we have four different, three or four different areas within the emergency department. And there's closets that are kind of strewn around the uh, ER, but they all have different supplies. There's no consistency in them. And oftentimes we spend a lot of time just looking for supplies going from one closet to another. Um, so as a result, it's a lot of like wasted movement and inefficient kind of like inefficient time to get procedures and supplies for the patient. And it's something that's a little bit more kind of subtle, but I think was um, is a, vitally important for patient care. 
So what they will try to do was try to kind of standardize our closets um, in a very creative way. They tried to make it a lot more, we, in our closets, for example, we have a lot of items that we use and also a lot of items that we don't use. So they came up with a solution that would, one, increase the signage and make it easier for us to track items, and two, try to reduce some of the items that we don't actually use and we don't really necessarily need to stock on a day-to-day basis. They're around in, a, in like an emergency apartment, but we don't need to like reach for them every, every, every single day. They did a pretty phenomenal job during their final presentation. They actually showed that this our, their changes could have huge cost savings as well as time savings, which is, you know, at the end of the day, kind of like how medical departments tend to operate. And that's kind of like things that they'd like to hear. So their design consisted of a couple of different things. One is having stickers or having kind of icons to help demonstrate, like this is where the cardiac supplies are. This is where the pulmonary supplies are. And also each drawer has small like labeling and they're trying to make them bigger so that it's easier for us to see them and uh, reach for them, especially if they're kind of like a higher ticket item. And last but not least, they also want to standardize some of these signage and labeling across the different closets so that we actually can know what to expect when we walk into a closet instead of just running around trying to find something that might not be there. Love it. It like seems like a simple idea, but really has big impact on the work that the providers are doing in the ED. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's one of those things where it's kind of overlooked. It's a project that a design student team is easy to take, you know, take a, a bite out of and make a huge impact. But it's also something that is not necessarily big emergency departments not specifically focusing on. So it was, I think, a perfect project for the student team. So Jackie, I want to talk a little bit about more sort of conflict that could potentially come up when doing these types of projects. So we had four students going into the ED and interviewing and observing clinicians. Can you talk a little bit about what the reception was to this project and to the students being there and how that was all negotiated? And I'll just say this is really important in these human-centered design projects because during this empathy phase, you really do have to understand the problem in the context of where the problem's taking place from the point of view of the people who are experiencing it. And so being out in the middle of it is crucial to collecting accurate data. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that the ED in general went through a massive change in October, um, you know, obviously making that transition to the new pavilion and really adjusting our entire workflow. Everything was different, even though it was done flawlessly, you know, we did a really great job with the transition. So that was a really fresh change. And then February, we had the project getting kicked off. And I think a lot of the staff were very receptive. Um, you know, healthcare is an ever-changing field, constantly evolving. So I think we're pretty adaptable to that. However, I think there was a lot of frustration, like, okay, we already did change. And now we have other people that are coming into the picture to implement further change. And there was some hesitancy from some of the nurses, a little bit of pushback where it was kind of the idea of, well, they've never worked in an ED, you know, how are they going to provide for us? But really everything is based off of experience. So if you have a bunch of nurses that have never, we've never really done a project like this. So if you haven't experienced something like this, of course, you're going to be a little skeptical, but it, it was really amazing to see the transition where it went from nurses kind of saying, you know, we don't want this to, wow, they're actually bringing up some really great ideas. And you know, I remember when we were running one of our mock trials at the end um, where we were doing, you know, help find some of the supplies that are in the closet and 
how many nurses were really like on board to come over and be part of that little trial that we ran. And it was, it was just a really nice turnaround. And I think it's something that uh, after a while, you know, staff became familiar with the students and, you know, hey, if you need anything, let us know. And it's not that anyone was ever um, cruel to the idea, but, you know, there was definitely some resistance, but rightfully so. I mean, uh, healthcare has been an all-time high stress environment right now. And, you know, what's given the pandemic and just, again, making that transition from the old ER to the new one. But it was a really nice shift. And I think it really paved the way nicely for future projects and collaboration where, you know, once we really kind of put forth, you know, what our idea was, it's, it's, you know, we're here to benefit you. And I think also the most important thing is having a key stakeholder. So someone as myself to really kind of lead the way and be that voice for the project. And, you know, you have that in with the nurses, um, in addition to bringing in another, um, voice. We had Mark Gorski, who was head of the equipment committee and he, bringing him in was really beneficial. So I think it's also a really key point is just to make sure the staff feel heard and that they have their voice in on the project, which, you know, interdisciplinary collaborations, as Neil was just talking about, was really beneficial. So that was essentially um, one of the biggest barriers. Yeah, and that's a great point. Co-collaboration is a really important part of human-centered design and design thinking and also for buy-in. Can you speak to the co-collaboration that took place during this project? I know there were co-creation sessions and other things that had gone on. Uh, so I think, um, especially for the kind of like the co-creation sessions, I think, you know, it's interesting. I, I think having, as Jackie mentioned, like having some stakeholders, like she was one of the ER nurses and she had kind of like a foot in both fields. Like she was both an ER nurse that had, you know, was working clinically and was you know, one of the boots on the ground as well as kind of one of the leaders in this project. So she kind of helped bridge the gap between the two. It's interesting because I think initially there was a little bit of like, kind of like weariness when we were first doing observation shifts and things like that. But the co-collaboration sessions, the co-design sessions was where I think everyone came together at the same table and both physically and um, metaphorically to kind of uh, come up with ideas. That was an opportunity where the, nursing staff and the clinicians saw that these, these guys were genuinely interested in our help and trying to work with us to come up with the design um, and the solution rather than most of the innovations that happen comes from top down, like the administration handing it down to us and like this is the new workflow, but this is something that's coming from the bottom up and I think they really appreciated just that aspect of it. And also I think it kind of like opened the dialogue for like a frank conversation. Like you, I know you've been doing it this process for this many years, but it seems like it's inefficient or it seems like this isn't making you happy. Like, and it, it was an opportunity for both to learn from each other, but also learn more about each other and um, about kind of like what there might be, what efficiencies, the inefficiencies there might be within the healthcare system without them actually thinking about it. I will say the one maybe negative, just kind of like not negative thing, but like one, one of the things I, I thought of experiencing these co-design sessions was that there's a lot of reasons to, from the clinician sides to say no to something. Like this idea won't work because of this. And that's not necessarily the point of these sessions. The point is to go crazy, think what's out there and then, and then draw a lesson from it. But I think in medicine too, where so, there's so much bureaucracy and regulations that we're quick to dismiss an idea rather than taking something valuable from every idea that we presented. Yeah, that's a great point. We need some more yes and mentality in healthcare. Mike, from your design background and point of view, why is it so important to have 
these co-collaboration sessions? That's a good question. From my perspective, you know, design has had a long history of, as I sort of mentioned earlier, of designing to or providing ideas to individuals and groups. And I do believe there is, I mean, it's not just my belief, it's it's in literature, it's in articles in the design profession, that this idea of co-creation, the idea of returning to a collaborative model where those who will be dealing with, experiencing, embodying the changes that are proposed at the end are actually part of the conversation, not just through an interview and an observation in sort of phase one, but as sort of collaborative members throughout the process. And I, it's essential because at the end of the day, the consultant, the designer, whoever will end up moving on to the next project. And those individuals who are going to be living with it long-term are the ones who are going to really need to take ownership of it in a way that allows them not only to have a voice up front and to impact the design decisions that are being made, but in another way, if there is ownership of the process, then it can evolve with them after the person or the team or the group that helped facilitate this design process is gone, right? Because we all know that whether it's an ED or a neighborhood or a building or a product, things are going to change over time. And if the people who are interacting with it and learning from it every day have the are empowered to understand enough of the process to make changes to feel enough of a sense of ownership to want to make those changes and feel empowered to make those changes then the design process continues it, it doesn't end it doesn't die with a you know a, a five page write up or a several page powerpoint but it's actually a living and breathing thing that changes as needs change on the ground so i think that's both from the professional standpoint as it's really what the profession should be doing but also from a practical standpoint, it's the right way to, to do design. Yeah, that's a great point. And you mentioned keeping the project alive, that it doesn't die. And I think that's really important if we're not including the people who are going to be living with these new solutions and designs, then they're not going to continue into the future. And speaking of continuing, so I, I know that the students created a low fidelity prototype and they were able to quickly implement that into the ER. I'm wondering where this project is at now. The students ended the project in May. It's now you know September. What's the status of the project? So I can kind of uh, speak on that a little bit. We have been underway um, working with like Mark Gorski, um, who's in charge of the equipment committee and starting to organize everything. And, and that is sort of underway. However, we had a little bit of a bigger fish to fry with the uh, JCO that was, you know, revisiting the hospitals. So there was a lot of revamping to ensure, you know, I mean, again, Penn Medicine does a great job in keeping up with, um, you know, the rules and regulations, but just making sure that we're really ready for surveying from JCO was kind of taking precedence, but however, uh, they have came and gone. So I think that the project is going to be implemented within, I believe, the next month, if I, if I understand correctly. Interestingly enough, though, just that little bit of prototype implementation, pr uh, primarily in the resuscitation bay, where I primarily work, has been greatly beneficial. Even just in, you know, we did put up a couple of the stickers that the students designed to categorize where our equipment is. And that has cut down time drastically, especially in critical scenarios. So from the ED standpoint of nursing in terms of implementing should be getting started very soon. 
That's great. I know the students are really excited to know that the work that they did throughout the semester was actually going to continue and be implemented and tested in the ED setting. Well, I hope that we can continue working on projects like this into the future. I really enjoyed having our nursing students working with our design students, and I really enjoyed working with all of you. So thank you all for being willing to do this type of innovative project in the ED Pavilion. Thank you so much, Marion. Hello, Angela. Hello, Marion. How are you? I am great. I really enjoyed my conversation with Mike, Neil, and Jackie talking about our super cool interdisciplinary student project over at the new HUP ED Pavilion. I really enjoyed your conversation as well. I thought it was really, really interesting. It was a great insight into what design thinking means for healthcare and a really practical application. Yeah, that's what I really loved about it was, well, I loved a lot of things about it. I loved working with my colleagues in Penn Design and over at Penn Medicine, but I also really loved giving the students an opportunity to work with the design students, but also to use the skills that we're teaching them in the classroom and actually put it into practice in the hospital setting, which I think as nurses and nursing educators, that's really what we want. We want to teach our students practical skills that they can use in the clinical setting to actually make a difference. And I feel like the students did that with this project. Yeah. And I think that this is a skill set that they're going to be able to build upon for their whole careers, having this experience, which I think is so great for these nursing students. Totally agree. I really appreciated the process of looking at, looking for problems in a very broad way and then narrowing down to find solutions. I think, I feel like that's something that I do in a lot of different, in many, a lot of the different hats that I wear. I really appreciated that. I'd never heard it described in such a way before. And and it just kind of was like a light bulb moment for me in how design thinking can really, you know, it expands everything so much. And then you pull it all back together to find the pieces that need to fit. Yeah. And I think that's what we do in nursing and medicine anyway. I love using human-centered design and design thinking because it's both a mindset and a process. And like you said, these students will have that new skill set to use moving forward to be able to think broadly and then narrow it down to the problem that they want to come up with a solution for. Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa Donato and Marion Leary and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing with special thanks to Jonathan Zhu for his assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at Penn Nursing. Until next time, keep pushing over, under, around, and through. We want to thank you for listening to the Amplify Nursing podcast and remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening. And if you can do us a solid, please rate and review us as well.
It will go a long way in amplifying our episodes.